The night before Bridget walked out of Darren's life, six months before he watched her climb over the railing of the Golden Gate Bridge and dive headfirst into the water 200 feet below, six months and four seconds before she struck the surface of San Francisco Bay with a force of 15,000 pounds of pressure per square inch, dying instantly from the resulting physical trauma, they had this conversation. Remember when you said you wanted to drink wine from the small of my back, Bridget asked. She stretched out face down on their bed, naked, a pillow under her chin. Candles burned on the dresser and tinkling jazz played on the bedside radio. Darren trailed his fingertips down the smoothness of her leg, past the little scar she'd acquired trying to break up a dogfight as a child, pausing at the back of her knee, one of the many places she loved to be kissed. I remember the first night we slept together. He leaned over and kissed the concavity at the base of her spine, the little cup that hollowed when she lay on her belly. Her skin smelled warm and sweet and like nothing other than Bridget herself. That was the sexiest thing I'd ever heard, she said. I still get fluttery when I think about it. Really? I don't remember you reacting much at the time. I was probably too fluttery back then. That was, what, two years ago? My flutters are under better control now. She paused, piano and clarinet filling the empty space between sentences. Why didn't you ever do it? Darren ran his finger in a circle around the little elliptical birthmark between her shoulder blades. I don't know, logistics? I could do it now if you like. I think there's a bottle of Shiraz in the kitchen. No, she rolled over into him. Let's just sleep. I like sleeping with you. You're never wiggly or restless. I don't know how you sleep so well. Just blessed with good brain chemistry, I guess. He spoke lightly, unwilling to broach the subject of sleepless nights, the principal symptom of Bridget's anxieties and dissatisfactions. So he got up, blew out the candles, climbed into bed, and she curved against him, into him, in the dark. He felt no trepidation, nor did he feel unusually blessed. They'd slept together this way every night for more than a year, since she had moved into his apartment. In the morning, he woke alone. She'd taken an overnight bag and a few changes of clothes and most of her things from the bathroom. She'd left her art supplies, the pressed flower handmade paper, the glue, the linen, the brushes, even her stash of dried hallucinogenic mushrooms but she'd taken her good red winter coat, the one he'd bought for their ski trip the year before. The missing coat struck him as strange because it was spring when she walked out, and warm. For a while, he tried to believe she'd taken the coat because it was a gift from him. She hadn't left a note, so he had to take comfort where he could. Bridget was wearing the red coat when he watched her die. That was a colder day, and it was windy then up on the bridge. Two. Darren almost never went into the city anymore, not since losing his lover and his job and his car in one terrible month. So it seemed beyond the range of normal coincidence that he should encounter Bridget for the first time in two seasons on the pedestrian walkway halfway across the Golden Gate Bridge. Had he arrived five minutes sooner, he might have reached her, stopped her, saved her. 
Had he arrived five minutes later, he would not have seen her at all. Just the knot of Taurus clustered around the guardrail, leaning out, looking at the gray water below. Instead, he arrived at 10.17 a.m. He knew to the minute because his digital camera had a timestamp for each photo it took, at the perfect moment to see, but not intervene, in Bridget's death. Darren had not believed in God since he was eight years old, but the fact of his arrival at that moment on that morning was enough, almost, to make him believe in something, some forceful consciousness looking down on events in the world and occasionally manipulating them for reasons of its own. Darren had taken a train from Oakland, under the bay, into San Francisco. The city, as everyone called it, as if San Francisco were the platonic ideal of cityhood.